coming up on Ibogaine Uncovered. It's hard to describe how profoundly different I feel and how incredibly grateful I am for that. It makes me emotional because like I said, I, I really feel like despite my best efforts, I was not able to really understand and access what my little girl was going through inside of me, what I was going through as a child and in the sense of feeling a life or death threatening survival mode of constant fight or flight. And I had, again, addressed it in so many ways, you know, reconciled with my abuser, gone through therapy, feeling, but I'm so incredibly grateful that I got to quote the root of this permeating trauma. And so for me, I'm just unspeakably grateful to this plant medicine for taking me back somatically, experientially into this place as, again, as absolutely as excruciating and terrifying it was. If I didn't do that, I just don't know how else I would have healed. My name is Amanda Siebert, and you're listening to I Begin Uncovered, the podcast that explores the impact of one of the most powerful psychedelic medicines on the planet. Can I Begin really get to the root of our trauma? Join me as I ask practitioners, patients, researchers, and specialists about their experiences. Hello, and welcome to Root Medicine. I'm your host, Amanda Siebert, and in this latest episode, I interview Bridget Ritchie. Bridget is the founder and CEO of WE, a learning studio that provides workshops and experiences to help people develop relational mindfulness within their relationships at work. She's also an intimacy and relationship coach, a mom, and an artist. In this episode, Bridget shares with me what her life was like before a recent Ibogaine experience at Beyond, how she struggled to maintain a work-life balance, and how her relationships with alcohol and tobacco had become problematic, without much awareness of how these substances were affecting her. She also hoped that a treatment with Ibogaine might help her heal from the trauma of experiencing abuse as a child. Bridget tells me about her intense preparation for the experience, how she developed a list of not two or three, but 56 questions for Ibogaine, and that her Ibogaine experience, which was wildly different than what she had expected, could have gone in two very different directions. Bridget's story is one that many of us can relate to. How many of us are struggling with burnout, numbing our pain with substances, and sitting with unresolved childhood trauma? There's a lot to learn from Bridget's understanding of relationships and intimacy, and from her experience navigating her Ibogaine treatment. Bridget, thank you so much for joining us on Root Medicine today. Before we dive in to chat a little bit about your recent experience with Ibogaine, I want to ask how you're doing. I know that, you know, you just got home. Mm -hmm. How long ago was that? About a week now. So yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm feeling the impact and the effects and, and really feel like this integration process has been incredible. And honestly, I've just been really looking forward to talking to you. I'm happy to be here. And I think I'm just excited right now to learn from you and share my experience about Ibogaine. Likewise. Well, thanks so much. I know that when you get home from a, an Ibogaine experience, it can be a little bit jarring. Yeah, definitely jarring. At the same time, I'm, I'm still feeling these sort of insights come up. Maybe I'm feeling a bit reflective is the word I would use. You know, it was such 
a powerful experience to be there for 10 days. And I'm so glad I was there for all 10. (laughs) By the time I got home, I was ready to be home, see my kids, jump back in. But I'm happy to sort of report that I'm continuing to have these insights and notice these patterns that I had previously before I began and feel some clarity around how to make some changes. So there's a little bit of reflective, there's a lot of gratitude. And Mm. honestly, the biggest thing is just more energy. I have felt a lot more physical energy, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's almost kind of this before and after feeling, right? So that's been really important to me to feel that effect for sure. Well, that's a great segue into my first question that sort of before and after feeling. Paint the picture for me of your life pre I began. Where were you at mentally, spiritually, and physically? Yeah, yeah. And that's something I think I have a better insight into now, actually, after I've gotten home about where I was before. I was someone who was really trying, really giving my life at that time 100%. But in so many ways, I felt like I was drowning. I was going, I am going through a painful divorce, a lot of loss. I was married for 18 years, and that's a huge transition and uncoupling. I have two kids, one who has special needs, is on the autism spectrum. And in the last two months, he's been diagnosed with bipolar. I've moved across the country as a single mom. Uh, I was in LA for 10 years, and I'm actually trying a very different culture in in a small town in Arkansas. Um, There's been a lot of changes in my professional life as well. So I was really realizing I needed help. I had been trying everything I knew how to do, right? The meditation, the working out, the therapy, talking to friends. But I just felt like you know, I would kind of get two steps forward and then three steps back. And so my health was really suffering. I was dealing with these very strange inflammation issues. I was finally admitting to myself that I was dealing with depression and anxiety and coping with that through smoking and drinking a lot of alcohol. How much? I don't think I was aware, (laughs) but I knew that if I continue down this path, it would really start to impact, make bigger, permanent damage potentially on my emotional health, my mental health, my ability to parent and show up in my work. So I did, I, in my own way, felt like I hit a desperate point. And a friend recommended Beyond to me more as kind of like an experiment that she was going to try. And I had told her I was really looking for a kind of new way of getting support. And I'm so grateful that she did. It was not at all what I expected, but exactly what I needed. Hmm. Isn't that always the case? It's not the first person to say that to me. So in addition to all of this, you, you just mentioned, you know, that you're a mom, you're going through divorce, you're experiencing anxiety and depression. You're also running a company. So tell me a little bit about WE, your role there, helping people develop relational mindfulness. Yeah. So I am a founder and CEO of WE. And we develop relational mindfulness inside of companies and communities. And that basically means giving people the tools they need to have healthy and diverse relationships at work. So we started about six years ago, focused mostly actually on peer-to-peer mentoring for female-identifying entrepreneurs. And then we expanded right around Me Too into developing equity and equality in the workplace inside of corporations. And I actually really fell in love with corporations because people, there was such a a sort of hunger, openness to changing culture. 
And so, you know, we worked with all of my dream companies. We scale globally with Google and we worked with Lululemon and, and a lot of these kind of progressive cultures like Meta or Instagram or Uber and Tinder. At this time in the last three to five years, I have felt like a much more open mind to what culture can look like, to what relationships can look like at work. And so that's been really fulfilling for me. And I started focusing in the last year specifically on executive coaching and personal development coaching as well. And so I kind of have put a lot of my sort of work on ice, as I say, in the last year, the last nine months or so, because I did as much as I loved what we were doing. I knew personally I was getting so burnt out that I had to pause the, the pace I was going at. And so looking back, I'm like so thankful that I did that. But that lent itself as well to just, I know so many folks are dealing with this, just the overwhelm and the burnout of work. And so even though I loved what I was doing and I was seeing an impact and it was so fulfilling to run a company, I got to a point with my personal life and with my physical health that I basically put it a little bit on hold and focused just on the coaching component. And it was another reason why I knew I really care about what I do. I feel passionate about it, but I need help in order to continue to keep going. Something has to change. Mm, I commend you for taking that step. I think it's really hard for a lot of people to recognize that within themselves and really have that self-awareness. So yeah, that's really you know incredible. And I imagine that you doing this is going to lend itself to all sorts of things professionally and beyond. No, no pun intended. Every time I use that word on this show. So I want to ask, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, did you go into Ibogaine with any substance use concerns? Thankfully, it was illuminated for me while I was there. I laugh about it now because I sat down with this incredibly kind and just compassionate doctor. He's been doing Ibogaine treatments for 20 years. And I can't, again, I'll sort of repeat myself, but I cannot say enough about the staff at Beyond. They are absolutely a crucial component of the before, the during, and the after as to why I felt like I could really receive the healing I needed. But the doctor sat me down and said, look, you're a moderate alcoholic. And I was actually stunned. I was like, me? Like, I'm, I have kids. I am, I'm a professional. I'm functioning in my life. Sure, I like a glass of wine or two or three at night, but am I really an alcoholic? And the reality is, is that whether that label applies or not, I was absolutely having a relationship with alcohol that I felt dependent on it. I was coping with it in my life. And not only that, a couple of years ago when COVID started, I started rolling my own cigarettes thinking that's healthier. And it was so fun. And then I started having three cigarettes a day and then I'm having six cigarettes and then I'm having 10 cigarettes. I'm just chain smoking to get through my life, to get through this call, to get through this meeting, to help my kids go to the play. It was just like at every turn, because I was so overwhelmed and so burnt out and so my body and my spirit were trying to get my attention and I would continually just repress those signals with alcohol and cigarettes. So yes, it was quote under control, but the dependency and the need and the amount really was a red flag. And I'm just thankful to Beyond for helping me see that I wasn't just dealing with anxiety and depression, that I was starting to use these coping mechanisms in a way that fast forward six months in a year. I absolutely have no question that would have only gotten worse because I would have felt more and more of a need to compensate with substances. So I am sober now. I quit smoking. Actually, I wasn't even planning on doing that at all, but we can go into that story. I I got literally an audible voice and a visual in my treatment that said, stop smoking, which looking back again, is like life-saving. My dad, my aunts, my uncles, my grandma, all of them have had cancer. 
And I just mm. was in such a survival mode that I couldn't even connect to the quote danger of my habits. Not that I judge anyone who smokes or drinks. It just, for me, it was getting to a place where I wasn't being honest. I was not able to access really my truth because I was, again, just resisting so much the need for change and for healing because I was trying to be there for everyone else and keep my head above water. I commend you for being so honest and vulnerable about these particular substances. I mean, a lot of people, I think most people have relationships like this with cigarettes and alcohol. And that's not, I think, to anyone's fault. They're everywhere. They're in all the media we consume and all the places we go. So yeah, being real about where we're at with them, I think is a hard thing to do for some people, especially because it's everywhere. It's all encompassing. I want to ask you about what you just said, the auditory voice that you had that told you about smoking. Tell me about this voice. What did it tell you? Yeah. So I'm happy to describe so much of this journey. Really for me, there was such a through line in my experience, in my treatment of healing. And I actually began my journey in the womb. And funny enough, the person next to me, you do it with another person. They also started their journey in the womb, which is the onset that is very, very unusual. And so I really went back to this core part of me and Funny enough, as the treatment is so unpredictable and knows exactly what you need, as I was in this very nurturing and very deep, deep healing experience, I sort of came out of it and it was just like a lightning bolt, Amanda. It was wild. Like I saw this sign and I heard the voice and it was like a voice that would say, like if you were going to step in front of a bus, it wasn't mean, it wasn't harsh, but it definitely was not mine. And it said, stop smoking. And I was stunned and I felt this like bolt of lightning in my body. And I thought, I'm done. There's no question. And I felt that gravity, right, of our choices in these paths and that it was such a caring and yet a stern, you know, Tom had shared there's sort of this stern fatherly energy to Iboga, to Abigail. And I felt that absolutely as a through line through my whole experience of this I love you and I care about you. And that's why you need a little kick in the ass. (laughs) And that's what that felt like, like, stop, you know? And I felt like almost this relief come over me. Like, yeah, I want to stop. I, this is right for me to stop smoking. You know, I haven't even thought about it. It's wild. I'm not even, and I, I, again, this is just my experience. I don't know if other people make a choice to quit a substance and do have some cravings and that comes up for them. It's different for everyone. But for me, just that the combination of this yell and this sign, I just thought, oh, I'm done. Like it's over. For, I'm, that's not me anymore. Wow. That's so powerful. There is some research to show that some other people have also had experiences like that, you know, success with letting go of nicotine and smoking habits. I mean, for myself, when I... I used Ibogaine. I had an opportunity to reassess my relationship with cannabis. So I totally understand that sort of like voice that comes over you where that is sort of like, like you said, it's not mine, but you know that this is the right thing for me. Prior to us speaking for this episode, you shared with me that in your preparation for the session, you had not three or four, but 56 questions for Ibogaine, which I love. It's very precise. What were some of those questions? 
Well, as I mentioned to you, I did feel for myself like I was in a desperate place. I mean, I've heard the expression rock bottom. Emotionally, that's where I was at. And there were so many different parts of my life where I just felt stuck or burnt out or really at the end of my rope in a certain way. And so I do highly recommend doing the coaching, getting support for preparation before even getting to the ceremony or certainly beyond. I love that they offered coaching. And so with working through my coach, I was able to develop some questions, 56 in fact. And I have them in front of me, actually. I mean, some of them were sort of broad and conceptual. Like I have here, how do I try to earn love? How can I feel whole? Right? Questions like that. And then what's my best relationship to work? What is my body telling me in insomnia, in depression, in PTSD? Because I was dealing with OCD, which I'm not dealing with anymore. So I tried to to keep it specific and I just divided all these questions into six categories. One being my kids, another being work, another being my relationship with my ex, another being my just identity. And I'm so glad that I did because they really tried to walk me through. And I do have experience with psychedelics outside of, of Ibogaine, technically not a psychedelic, but obviously a similar experience in intention setting. And I think the questions for me were not necessarily expectations or demands, But I did go in there feeling clear and open and receptive and ready to do the work in the treatment because I had given myself the time and worked with my coach to, you know, do some searching of where do I need support? What kind of healing do I feel? I I don't know, but I think would be the most supportive for me right now. And that was a big part of what I needed to go through the experience that I did, which was very challenging. But I think the preparation helped set me up for the ability to continue to lean into it. So those 56 questions, I jokingly say, but seriously, they all got answered. And I felt like a hundred more. That was the very surprising component of my Ibogaine experience was that sense, right? Of seeing things as they are, of that tearing back in some ways of a veil and just is what it is. The honesty component was so special and really healing for me. And so I... I feel very grateful, not everyone's experience, but for me, I did get those questions answered and, and more. I think some people might be like, wow, that's a lot of questions. But I think having that many questions is important because, or, well, or, or knowing that this is as many questions that I have and owning that and, and bringing that to the medicine. Someone described to me the I began experience as watching a movie in your head of your life. And while I went in with sort of an expectation of that, I realized very quickly that for me, it was definitely more of an interactive, like I needed to be sort of asking those questions. And that's where that preparation really did come in handy. So I can see how having that with you, and I love that you have it in front of you now, is so, so important to the experience. So on that note, I want to talk about expectations. How did your expectations of the experience and the experience that you had, how did they differ? Well, again, in the spirit of transparency, I appreciate now the people who tried to prepare me for the the physical and emotional and mental journey that is spiritual journey, really, that was I became. But because of the range of experiences, we don't know exactly what will happen for every person. I truly believe now that everyone gets what they need whether they know what happened or not, just because of how profound the experience that was for me. That being said, it was definitely more challenging than I was prepared for. Again, I have sat for ayahuasca. I, I have experienced other psychedelics and the, some of the healing potential there. 
But to be honest with you, I was not a total believer in this idea that psychedelics really plant medicine, if you will, for sure, is something that can take you in this this leap of consciousness, can heal you above and beyond other modalities. I, I really went in open, like, okay, maybe I'll get some revelation from this. I think one way that it's, as I said, it was much more challenging than I expected. It was absolutely much more impactful than I expected above and beyond personally, even though I did all this preparation and had the best of hopes and intentions. The experience that I had, although extremely challenging, was so much more powerful and so much more specific for what I needed to experience real internal transformation. So it really exceeded those expectations. So it's that kind of that tension, right? Between like, it was extremely challenging and extremely effective for me. And I'm very grateful, but it is hard to know how to prepare people, others in my life, or I'm sure if I did it again, it would be totally different. And that's what's so fascinating to me about plant medicine. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really important for people to know that Yes, I think with most psychedelic experiences, usually expectations and the experience will differ, but I begin perhaps a little bit more (laughs) underlined or, you know what I mean, it's definitely quite profound, the difference, I think, even with all the preparation. Let's talk about unique experiences in the treatment room. When we first met, you told me that your treatment could have gone two very different ways down two very different paths. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I would love to. For me, Ultimately, as I mentioned, I went into this experience with the hope for healing. I knew that I needed healing that went beyond just an idea to tweak or shift my life. I knew that I wanted to go to the core of my trauma. And so my intention wasn't necessarily to address childhood trauma, but thankfully that was the wisdom of the plant medicine to take me into that experience. And so what was specific for me about the Ibogaine treatment was that I ended up going on this journey of somatically reliving my childhood abuse. I was physically abused as a child. And with that comes the neglect and the lack of protection from folks around that situation. And as much as I've acknowledged that experience and therapy with close friends, as much as I've even reconciled with my abuser, I had no idea that there was still this essentially frozen little girl still inside of me, terrified. I really didn't know that. And I, again, I, my heart goes out to myself and so many other folks who are really trying to get healing from childhood trauma because it's not a matter of effort. It isn't on us to figure it out, right? I think there's so many people Um, And that's part of why I do the work that I do, because I want myself and others to feel safe and heard and valued in in every environment. I think there's endless potential when people can really feel connected to themselves and others. So I had tried (laughs) to do the work, but it was such a powerful experience because in Ibogaine, I was taken back into this terrifying, violent, horrifying moment of survival where I essentially had to relive the experience of abuse in order to really understand how it affected me, what I believed about myself, and truly how to begin the process of, in those 12 hours, reparenting the little girl in me. 
One thing I would say that's important to mention that I think is different about my story is that a part of the experience I had was that I, and bear with me here because I'm going to kind of try to describe an abstract concept, but I ended up being so terrified that I sat up in my bed and I took off my, my headphones, I took off my mask and I was screaming, trying to get help. And I was not responded to by the staff. I was not supported by the staff. Well, the important thing to know about the story is that that actually did not happen. But the reality is I thought that it did. And so moving that trauma through of feeling that the staff beyond abandoned me in a time of terror was actually so crucial to my healing because then I was able to drop into the fear and the pain of the little girl in me that felt abandoned and not cared for in my time of pain and abuse, if that makes sense. So I felt that the medicine brought me into this experience of being abandoned by the staff of beyond so that I could truly understand what it means to be safe in myself, that my higher self could reparent my little girl inside of me. And we went on this long, beautiful journey with Abigail in that moment of quote trauma. And so when I talk about how it could have gone two different directions, when I came out of my experience, the treatment, I felt so incredibly thankful and grateful for Ibogaine and for myself and for the incredible healing journey I went on, but I felt intensely abandoned and frustrated and afraid that the staff hadn't been there for me. And they got to walk me through the reality that that actually was not real, that that actually didn't happen, that I was just laying there peacefully. But in my treatment, I thought that I had needed and asked for help and that they weren't available or weren't present with me. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Wow. What a powerful medicine. It works in very mysterious ways. So that's what you meant, because you you shared with me that after the session, you were pissed. In fact, I believe the exact quote was, I was pissed when I got out of there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what inspired that feeling. And so the staff reacted by sort of explaining that to you. Were they trying to like... And they sort of received that well and sort of, what was that like? Like being in that moment of like, what did I just do? And I'm mad about it. Yeah, please. I would love to hear a little bit more about that feeling. Yeah, it was a beautiful experience. I was absolutely pissed and frustrated for for a couple of reasons. Most being that I was asking for help. I was needing help. I was going through a traumatic experience. And I remember again, with Ibogaine, I think it's really important to point out that the vast majority of the time, if you take your headphones off and you take your mask off, you are in the room. And I think that's important for listeners to know that like, that is actually a very grounding experience. But I really believe the plant medicine needed me to somatically believe that I was abandoned by a caregiver (laughs) in order to, again, totally drop into that experience in my body. I could not have accessed that again without that experience. So when I got out of the treatment... I shared with some folks, whether it was a nurse or my therapist and beyond, that was a very powerful, wonderful experience of inner child healing. I did get to really feel my own power and safety and love and compassion for myself. But I sat them down and I said, I am really frustrated 
that in my time of need, no one was there for me. And I distinctly remember screaming and trying to find help and no one would support me. And it was just incredible because I felt the staff completely validated my experience and really sat with me and was even frustrated with me and was like, that is not acceptable. That's not okay. Like that shouldn't have happened to you. And in that, it was like a real time healing of what I've needed as a little girl my whole life for someone to say, no, like you should not be experiencing that alone. You should not be going through that trauma yourself. You should have support and love and safety around you. And so through the progression of integration, we did discover through many conversations with Tom and with other folks there, Richard and Adriana, these people who are now just such a, truly my family, we were able to have these conversations where I was completely heard and totally validated. And then in a very loving and nurturing way, they discovered through communicating with the team that that had never happened. And so they were really patient and compassionate about walking me through the fact that that was actually the medicine, bringing me into a somatic experience. And they were so in awe with me in a way of my experience and extremely respectful of my process. And so because I was able to collaboratively integrate with them, I think it really gave me a sense of being very cared for and loved, not just by the staff, but by the medicine of how specifically almost tailored or designed for me, I felt that that was. But when I say two different paths, if I had not been honest with them, or if I had not felt validated or seen or heard by them, I truly believe I would have felt traumatized, re-traumatized. That's how much I felt abandoned and neglected by them in that space. And so realizing it was just part of my healing was profound in the sense that I was able to totally integrate it as necessary to me accessing my heart and my truth and my healing versus a trauma where I would just feel that they had not been there for me in my time of need. You mentioned two things there that really stand out to me. One is the sense of like being met where you're at. I think so often as humans, when we see a person experiencing an emotion like anger or sadness, we're so quick to be like, oh, here, like cheer up. Or how can I change this for you? How can I make you feel better? And so for them to like really go through that and not just like be quick to shift that, I think stands out to me. Yeah, this just the sense of of really of being received is really powerful and important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in our prep call, you mentioned to me that I began was an opportunity for you to reparent yourself. And you used this word earlier. You know, it was a, a somatic experience to help you understand and remember the experiences you've been through. I believe those were the words that you used. How do you feel about those experiences now? So I, I believe here you're referring to these sort of memories of childhood abuse and childhood trauma that you were dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to describe how profoundly different I feel and how incredibly grateful I am for that. It makes me emotional because like I said, I I really feel like despite my best efforts, I was not able to really understand and access what my little girl was going through inside of me, what I was going through as a child and in the sense of feeling 
a life or death threatening survival mode of constant fight or flight. And I had, again, addressed it in so many ways, you know, reconciled with my abuser, gone through therapy, feeling, but I'm so incredibly grateful that I got to quote the root of this permeating trauma. And I actually brought with me a, a Gabor Mate book, The Myth of Normal, which is his new book. And I'm just so convinced that trauma is rooted at, at, on so many mental health and physical health issues. And that a lot of us are carrying it so deeply in our bodies, right? And so for me, I'm just unspeakably grateful to this plant medicine for taking me back somatically, experientially into this place as, again, as absolutely as excruciating and terrifying it was. If I didn't do that, I just don't know how else I would have healed. And every day, I mean, I, I woke up last night, I had the best sleep of my life last night. Like, I feel like physically, emotionally, spiritually, I understand, right, that Ibogaine is not a magic bullet. I 100% believe that. But it really did go to the core of who I am and unlock the truth that I needed. It really spoke to, I've been seeking for this type of like true, profound, transformational access to myself. That's really a huge part of healing, right? And so to be given the gift through this plant medicine, even though it was terrifying, of going back into this abuse, I feel massively different about it. It doesn't define me anymore. It's not my identity. I'm not angry with this person. I don't feel confusion anymore about where it ends and begins and is it or isn't it affecting me in my romantic relationships, in my work, in my parenting. There's just this feeling of like I'm untethered from this experience as no longer being holding my identity captive. And I, I just, I don't know how else that would have happened for me except through this incredible experience, this gift of plant medicine. I want that for every person I know. I don't know if it will happen or how or when or why, but I'm beyond grateful to feel that it, for me, again, I don't, I'm a week out or however much, but for me, I look at my life as like before I began and after I began, because now I can show up as me. I can actually feel experientially that sense of integration of wholeness that I have not ever felt because, and again, even though I'm in a space where I'm trying to help other people heal, I couldn't really get a feeling for an experience of a true somatic shift to really feel a sense of freedom from that before I began. The gift of authenticity and clarity. That's definitely something that I experienced as well. Coming home, just this like, whoa, I feel so in my body and so connected and so aligned with the things I want to do. I think this is a nice segue to sort of talk a little bit about insights that you might have received about your job. You know, you just mentioned that you healed this wound that I think, I mean, you work in relational mindfulness. I feel like dealing with this, it's interesting to me that these two things sort of coexist. So tell me a little bit about that connection. Yeah, I feel like I'm still processing it. I think the biggest realization I've had about my work is just a lot of gratitude for the folks that have trusted me in these really emotionally vulnerable spaces, even in the workplace. So we go in and we do a lot of workshops and experiences and offsites around listening and around inclusion and around communication and empathy, really trying to create safe spaces at work for folks and brave spaces at work for folks who feel seen and heard and valued and really connect on a deeper level. 
And to be honest with you, when I look back, there's almost a part of me that's like, how cute is that, that I was trying to do that? Because really, in so many ways, I was trying to do it for myself. And I'm a huge believer in that, right? Like you often try and meet your own need by creating that space for others. And there was so much authenticity in me for that. But I really believe you can't give away what you don't have. And so I'm so excited to get back into this space of personal and professional development, of guiding and facilitating folks to connect to themselves and others from an even more whole and rooted and embodied place. I didn't just do Abigail for myself. I did it for my kids, for my partners, for the people that I have the privilege of serving to create healthy and diverse relationships. And to be honest, now I feel even more fluidly connected to be able to do that. It's it's not as much of a concept, even in well-intentioned concept. It's really going to come from my being, my presence, my ability to finally be here. And that is the source. So I'm just incredibly grateful and hope that in any way I can, I could in some ways create that space for other people as well. You you alluded to therapy earlier. Now, a lot of people like to say that a psychedelic experience can be like 10 years of therapy. Would that be your kind of finding after this experience or not? I mean, I think I think this experience was about 50 years therapy. That I've been in therapy <laughs> for 15 years. I've really tried. That being said, I would very carefully qualify that with it depends on the integration. It depends on the support. Mm-hmm. And to me, the biggest takeaway I got from my game was it is 100% about the integration, in my opinion. And again, no matter the spectrum experience you have, because I have staff for ayahuasca, I have so many friends who believe in the power of plant medicine, but I think we need more education. I think we need more emphasis. I think we need more enthusiasm, frankly, about what happens after over time, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every single way. Because to me, that's where the actual permanent shifts and changes come into play. So I think the potential is there for, I mean, again, I'm not in any way downplaying therapy. I'm personally a coach. I love the relational component of support there and diving deep into your past, present, and future. I just, for me, have to say, I do feel this I began experience was infinitely more effective for me to somatically, experientially access my trauma. And I have definitely given it a go. <laughs> it just did not, it didn't land, it didn't connect in the same way that the plant medicine made possible. I totally agree with you on integration. I think it's so important. We often hear this word like integration, integration, integration. And I sometimes I have to ask myself, like, what is it? And in talking to different people, I feel like it's a different flavor for different individuals but I think things that I've found really helpful are like regular movement being outdoors being in community talking to you know people who are familiar with the plant medicine experience that's definitely something that can be really jarring when you come home as you feel like alive and on fire and you're like how come nobody else is caught up or at this level and so That can also be kind of a bummer, but I think that's why, like you said, coaching, having someone in your life that understands what you've been through or can relate to some degree. What are some things that you've found helpful or are finding helpful in the sort of integration process? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you in terms of movement, 
community for sure. I mean, I believe 100% in the power of relationships and the necessity of not doing anything really alone, but certainly integrating something that was so incredibly important. I will say, even hearing you speak, like I loved all of your examples. One thing that comes up for me is just creating some space to continue to trust that more is coming. Like I said to you, like since I've been home, actually being in my life, I have felt the insights coming in real time. You know, one thing that's fantastic to me about Abigail is that it stays in your system for up to six months. So I feel personally really connected. I continue to feel connected to the plant medicine and to myself. I'm still hearing and feeling and getting insights. And if I wasn't expecting that, like if I didn't have anticipation or openness and the space to keep feeling open to insights, and I was just kind of, all right, I'm back to my life. I'm doing my thing. I feel I would have really missed out. For me, the treatment did not end when I went back to my room from the treatment bed. It really has continued. And I think that's incredible about this plant medicine specifically is that it seems to be ongoing. It's obviously not quite as intense, but there's this continued sense of insights and revelations and truth and occasionally an ass kicking and occasionally support and nurture. So that to me has been a big part of the integration is more space, more quiet, more sense of openness to learning in real time in my real life from this medicine. Mm-hmm. Totally creating that space to be able to listen and hear that voice. I found when I got home, like it was very clear, like that sense that you're describing of I began sort of still being in your system. Like I would do things like go to the fridge and look for something to eat and it would be like, eat this, eat that. Yeah. <laughs> or like just like really clear things like scheduling even. It was very interesting. So can totally relate to some of the things that you're you're describing there. You mentioned the the takeaway that you have for people about the importance of integration. So I really appreciate you saying that because it's so, it is so vital. There's this misconception, I think, that people believe the medicine is such a huge component. And while it is, I think really it's the starting point. Mm -hmm. And like you said, having all these other things in place to promote integration, promote being able to receive those insights. Very, very vital. So yeah, Bridget, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate your vulnerability. You know, we're not talking about light things here. Childhood abuse is no joke. Mm. And so just really want to acknowledge how much I appreciate that because yeah, it's a lot. You know, as I make this an acknowledgement, I also want to say that it's something I also know is very common. And so in in opening up to me, I feel that hopefully other people who have had similar experiences will maybe be able to take a few things away from this conversation. So yeah. thanks so much. I hope so. And, yeah. If I could say one last thing, I, I do feel like my intention is absolutely, whether it's, you know, my story or some other type of trauma, trusting that this medicine does really support folks is just, I wish again, more people had access and exposure to it. But I also just really feel it's important to mention that the team and the vision and the staff at Beyond was absolutely crucial to my healing. I know I've mentioned that, but I I have to, as a person who's been around thought leaders, around people who are in this sort of spiritual transformation space, I did find Tom and Talia and their staff to be so exceptional and the genuine, authentic love. This, the feeling of being invited into a family was such 
a hugely important part of me being able to access healing and again, integrate. And so I do recommend for people who are considering Ibogaine to, if you possibly can do it beyond or somewhere like that, because I, I think this type of expansive, truly challenging experience is so much more safe and there's so much more potential to channel it I think in a spirit of love and in a spirit of of true healing when you have a team around you and when you have the humility and the genuine consistent commitment to healing that I saw with Tom and Talia they're so available for conversation and for emotional processing and for exactly as I mentioned where I was in that moment so it's so important to me that folks who are considering this know just the incredible team that's there and how they we're just so much of service to every person, not just myself, but seeing them truly invest in and be present to every person there. Some in, in real life and death situations with addiction and chemical dependency. So I'm incredibly grateful to them. I'm so grateful to you for doing this podcast and getting this information out to people, which again, I was in the dark about and can't thank the people enough who, who led me to it. So I really appreciate you having me. And it's really an honor to be able to speak about it. I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much, Bridget. It's been an honor for me as well. And maybe we can chat in six months and, and see where life is at. Yeah. At 40. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Ibogaine Uncovered. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe on Spotify and Apple, leave a review, or share it with your friends. This podcast is brought to you by Beyond and produced by Eamon Armstrong, mixed by Trevor Coulter and edited by Ariel Villafane. Beyond is the world's premier network of medically-based Ibogaine treatment facilities for addiction, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Beyond's mission is to help people end chemical and behavioral dependency and to end the suicide epidemic with psychotherapeutic treatment and psychedelic plant medicine innovation. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It does not constitute medical advice and does not necessarily reflect Beyond's views on mental health treatment or personal development. For inquiries and further information, please visit beyondibogaine.com and make an inquiry using the web form or email beyond at hello at beyondibogaine.com.